0: Welcome to Rama Faith Radio.
1: Matthew 24, 35. It says, Heaven and earth shall pass away. It says, But my word shall not pass away. My word shall not pass away. It has integrity. It has been tested. It has been proven. It's been passed through the furnace
0: seven times. It's sure you can build your life on it. Welcome to Rama Faith Radio with Reverend Talks and Akuna Dejuwon. This month, we'll begin the series on the highest kind of faith. Right now, here's Reverend Talks with today's message, The Integrity of the Word.
1: We'll be talking about the highest kind of faith. The highest kind of faith. And um, we know that faith is such a crucial subject. The Bible says, Without faith, it is impossible to please Him, to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So God demands faith of us and if uh, God demands faith of us, but hasn't provided the means whereby faith can be obtained, then we have a right to challenge his justice. But if he's provided the means whereby we can obtain faith and walk in faith, then the responsibility is with us. So we're looking at the highest kind of faith or the highest type of faith. What produces this highest type of faith? What are the things we need to know so we could walk in faith in the way God wants us to. Now, we know that before uh, redemption, before the finished work of redemption, people walked in faith. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament saints, they walked in faith. But you see, the finished work of redemption is a major, major event. And that's the basis on which our faith is built. In Romans chapter 10, from verse 8 to 10, the Bible says, But what seeth it? The word is nigh thee in thy mouth and in thine heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess to thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. He says, so with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we see there in Romans 10 from verse eight through to 10 that there is certainly the vital side of faith our confession, our believing in our hearts. There's the vital side, the principles of faith. But you see, if it was just about us believing and confessing alone, then Jesus would not have needed to die. He would just have told us to operate the principles. But you see, there has to be, there's the legal basis, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. It's just like um, someone asks you, how do I get money? And you tell him, use an ATM card. Yeah, you haven't told him a lie. One of the ways to access money is through an ATM card, a wire transfer, a check, you know, just over the counter at the bank. But all those things are going to work if and only if the person has an account with that bank and the account is furnished with money. Praise God. Then you now talk about the vital aspect of how to appropriate what is his. But you can only appropriate what is yours legally. So the basis of faith has to be that legal side that we have to understand. Sometimes we just talk about the mechanics of it, the the dynamics of it, the principles of it. And that's great. But there is a legal basis. And it's that legal basis that we uh, going to be talking about in this series, talking about the highest kind of faith. What produces this highest kind of faith? And like we said, the highest kind of faith is based on the finished work of redemption. And there are certain key truths that we need to get a hold of so that we can walk in this highest kind of faith. Today, I'm going to start with the first of these principles. And uh, the first of these truths, talking about the legal basis on which our faith as New Testament believers is anchored. And it's this, the integrity of God's word, the integrity of God's word. That's what I'll be looking at today. So let's just start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you because you're a good father, a great God. Thank you because you may be God to the world you may be judged to the sinner, but to us, your Father. Thank you for your holy word. Thank you because as we behold your word, you show us wondrous truths out of that word. We're so thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four. I will read one verse of scripture there, Hebrews chapter four, and in verse 12, Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, the Bible says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. For the word of God is quick and powerful. Now that word quick, this is a King James Version, Thomas Nelson, Kenneth E. Hagen Legacy Bible. Uh, the word quick in the margin, it says living. For the word of God is living and powerful. God's word is alive. You see, it's not merely ink on paper. The word of God is spirit and it is life. In John chapter 6 verse 63, the Bible says it's the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So God's word is not merely ink on paper. It is spirit and it is life. Moffat's translation of Hebrews 4.12, the first part of the verse, it says, for the logos of God is a living thing. The logos of God is a living thing. So you see, God's word, this written word, is God indwelt, is God inspired, is God breathed. Holy men of old, they spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So it's anointed. It's anointed. You know, sometimes as preachers, we want to preach and then we pray, Oh God, as we uh, preach your word or teach your word, quicken that word. Or breathe upon that word. You know, sometimes you say things like that. You know, and I understand what people mean. But the truth is this. If it is the word of God, it's already quickened. It, all, what we have to do is to just ensure it's the word of God we'll put forth. Because the word of God is quickened. The word of God is alive. The word of God is full of power. It's anointed. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto every good work that second Timothy 3 16 and 17 so all scripture is given by the inspiration of God second Peter 1 20 and 21 holy men of old they spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, so it is anointed, it is God indwelt, it is spirit, it is life. You see, the Bible is not merely a book about history, of things that happened in yesteryears, even though we can learn a lot about things that happened in yesteryears from the Bible, neither is the Bible just about the future. And it's just about prophecies, what's going to happen in the future, in the street by and by, during the millennial reign, the new heavens, the new earth. Yes, thank God we find such information, such a revelation actually in the Bible. But you see, the Bible is God speaking to us now. It's God speaking to us now. Uh, the attitude that we ought to take towards the Bible is this. As though the Lord Jesus Christ himself were here in person speaking to us and then act upon it accordingly. In John's gospel, the first chapter from the first verse through to the third, the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God says the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 14 says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So you see, Jesus is the word, is the incarnate word. The Greek word there is logos. Jesus is the logos of God, is the word of God that took upon himself flesh. He is the living word. The Bible is the written word. So the written word is given to us to unveil the living word to us. God is one with his word, just like you're one with your word. If your word is no good, you're no good. A man is as good as his word. And listen, God's word is good. God's word is dependable. God's word is reliable. So if you're going to walk in the highest kind of faith, the first thing, we must settle on is this, the absolute integrity of God's word, that God says what he means and God means what he says and that that logos is anointed. It's alive. It's alive. It's full of life. Now there's this thing about the rhema and the logos and people say, well, wait for God to give you a rhema word. No doubt. Sometimes God may quicken a scripture to our spirit. God may speak a word to our hearts. We may have what people call a rhema Oh, a word. Thank God for that. But listen, the logos is the sum total of all of God's rainers. In Hebrews chapter one from verse one through the three, the Bible says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake to us in time past by the fathers through the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he hath by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So God is speaking to us today through his son, amen. And Jesus is revealed to us on the pages of the written word we must learn to give the written word of God first place in our lives. Why? Because it's a more sure word of prophecy. In 2 Peter chapter one, you know, if you read from verse 15 through to 21, Peter was talking about how they were with Jesus on the holy mount, at the mount of transfiguration, how they heard a voice speak from heaven. This is uh, my beloved son, hear ye him. And um, he said that word, that great word they heard, you know, as they were with Jesus when he was transfigured before them. He now said, however, we have a more sure word of prophecy. So he's saying that this written word is more sure than a voice from heaven. This written word is more sure than the vision they had when they saw Moses and they saw Elijah. That word is dependable and should come first place. know, sometimes people tend to think, well, if only someone just gave me a prophecy, if only I just had a revelation, if only I just saw an angel, if only Jesus were to show up and appear to me, if only someone spoke to me in tongues and interpretation, if only I were in his service and they called my name out and the person who hadn't known me before said, thus saith the Lord. Well, thank God for those manifestations. But you know what? This written word, is a more sure word of prophecy. It can be depended upon, it can be relied upon, it can be trusted. In Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, the Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. It says, as he said, and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? You see, he's not a man that he should lie. He's not a man that he should lie. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 27, the Bible says the strength of Israel cannot lie. The strength of Israel cannot lie. He cannot lie. He cannot lie. Titus chapter 1 verse 2. Titus chapter 1 verse 2. It says in hope of eternal life, which the God that cannot lie. He cannot lie. His word is truth. John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them by that truth. Thy word is truth. It's truth. It's truth. Amen. Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father, but by me. So Jesus is the truth. Amen. And that written word unveils Jesus to us. It is the absolute truth. In Hebrews 6, In verse 18, the Bible talks about two immutable things by which it is impossible for God to lie. The context of it was when God was talking to Abraham and he said, Since there was none greater to swear by, God swore by himself, saying, Surely in blessing I will bless you, in multiplying I will multiply you. You see, an oath for confirmation is the end of all strife. What God was saying in essence is this. Listen up, Abraham. I'm giving you my word. Uh, we're cutting a covenant and uh, my very throne stands back of it. The highest authority that there is, is myself. And I'm saying this, if I don't keep this word, I'm going to self-destruct. I've heard folks talk about how, you know, they were endeavoring to believe God for something. And then they said, uh, they talked about how they trusted him, acted on his word, and God came through for them. And they were delighted. And I've heard folks give the testimony and say, wow, I'm so grateful. I'm so glad that God came through as I trusted him and acted upon his word. And they've gone ahead to add stuff. I've heard this. Well, if he hadn't come true, he still would have been God. So uh, I just want to praise him for coming through. Now, that sounds real good. But the truth is this. If we act upon the word and God does not come true, he will have to cease to be God. That word has integrity. He has sworn by himself. You see, Jesus, Hebrews 7:22 tells us is the surety of the new covenant. He stands back of every word of that covenant. Amen. Matthew 24:35. It says, Heaven and earth shall pass away. It says, But my word shall not pass away. My word shall not pass away. It has integrity, it has been tested. It has been proven. It's been passed through the furnace seven times. It's sure you can build your life on it. In fact, that's the only thing worth building one's life on, the word of God. It's truth. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, God said, so shall my word be. And you see, this verse ought to be the very backbone of the prayer life. He said, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Notice, God said, so shall my word be. It shall not return unto me void. God's word will not return to him void. God's word will accomplish that which he pleases. God's word will prosper in the thing whereto God has sent it. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12, The Bible says that I, God talking about himself, he said, I will hasten my word to perform it. I will hasten my word to perform it. You see, God is in a hurry to make his word good in the life of the man or woman, boy or girl, tall or short, regardless of his color or race. Anyone who will dare to stand and to act upon that word. God is in a hurry to make his word good on the behalf of such a one. Jeremiah one twelve. he said, I hasten over my word to perform it. The American Standard Version of that verse says, I watch over my word to perform it. He watches over his word to perform it. He guards that word jealously. He watches over it. He's particular about his word. See, God has so honored his word that Psalm 138 verse 2 says he has magnified his word above his name. He has magnified his word above his name. It has integrity. It can be trusted. It can be relied upon. It's the basis. It's the very foundation on which faith is built. In Romans chapter 10 verse 17, the Bible says, "So then, faith cometh by hearing." and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The measure of our faith is is the measure of our knowledge of God's word. The measure of our faith is the measure of our knowledge of our father and of our rights and privileges in his family. So that's why we need to get into the word of God. We need to have the right attitude towards the word of God. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 22, the Bible says, My son, attend to my words. Attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and they are health to all their flesh. Notice that he said, Attend to my words. God is telling us, To give his words our undivided attention. Everything else out the word of God in. We ought to put God's word above the word of the banker. Above the word of the lawyer. Above the word of the doctor. Above the word of our trusted friends. We ought to give it first place in our lives. First place in our lives. Why? Because that is God speaking to us now. And one thing about God is this, he cannot lie. He says what he means, and he means what he says. See, there's a motto that I adopted many years ago, and it's this, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. The Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. And I'll encourage you to adopt the same motto Just to take God at his word. Let that word settle the issue for you. Once you know what God's word says, that's it. Case closed. Amen. So two things really where God's word is concerned. First, we must accept the word of God for what it says. We must accept the word of God for what it says. Don't try to read things into it that aren't there. Just take it at face value. What did God say? Accept it for what it says. And secondly, we're to act upon it. We're to act upon that word. God's word will not come alive to us until we act on it. So we're to act upon the word of God. Amen. On the lips of faith, the word of God becomes a dominant force. It's just as powerful today as it was on the lips of Jesus. It's just as powerful today as it has ever been. Amen. Because it's the word of the living God. It's dependable. It's reliable. You can trust it. You can count on it because It's full of life. It's God himself talking to us. And God says what he means, and he means what he says. So we're to accept it for what it says, and we're to act upon it accordingly. The attitude we are to take towards the Bible, uh, we are not to treat it like a common book. We are not to treat it like, oh, uh, you know, the, a chemistry textbook, a physics textbook, a government book, uh, a history book. We are to treat it as the word of the living God. It's eternal. First Peter 1 Peter 1:23 through to 25, the Bible says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The word of God lives and abides forever. Goes ahead to say all flesh is grass, the glory of man as a flower thereof. The grass withereth, the flower falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. It endures forever. Smith Eaglesworth said about that word, he said it is supernatural in origin, eternal in duration, infinite in scope, creative in ability, regenerative in power, inspired in totality, universal in application. Then he said this, he said, read it through. Pray it in, pass it on. It changes a man until he becomes an epistle of God. So God's word is alive. In my own life, I've come to find out that God's word can be trusted. I've come to find out that God's word, just like Proverbs 4.22 says, it's life to those who find them and it is health to all their flesh. That word has enabled me to walk healthy for decades. That word has enabled me to have my needs met, my wants supplied. That word has enabled me to be productive in the ministry. That word, I've come to see that as I build upon it, as I put it first place, as I preach it, as I teach it, I've come to see that it produces results. It gets the job done. So it has integrity. And like I said, very first thing we had to settle upon is the absolute integrity, of God's word. If you are to walk in the highest type of faith, we must settle on the absolute integrity of God's word. And like I said, it's a God-breathed, God-indwelt, God-inspired message. It's not merely a book about the past, just telling us about history. Either is it merely a book just about the future, telling us uh, prophecies about what's going to happen. It's God speaking to us in the now. In the now, so the attitude we must adopt towards the Word of God is to treat that written word as though the Lord Jesus Christ were here in person speaking to us. So, primarily, the written Word of God. Also, God may speak a word to our hearts, no doubt. And um, faith is acting on God's word, whether it's the written word or a word that God speaks to our hearts. And God's word can be depended upon; it has integrity. So. God wants each and every believer to walk in the highest kind of faith, the highest type of faith. Amen. And like we said, the highest type of faith has its basis in the finished work of redemption, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And the first thing to settle on to walk in that highest type of faith is the absolute integrity of the Word of God.
0: You've been listening to of Faith Radio, brought to you by the partners and friends of Ramo Nigeria. We offer training in God's Word and in the things of the Spirit for victorious Christian living and success and fulfilling ministry. Go to RemaNigeria.com to find out more on how to become a student or partner of Rema Bible Training Center Nigeria. Please call 08101166836. The number again, 08101166836. Kenneth Higgins Rema Bible Training Center Nigeria is here just for you. Experience many moments that set you free and empower you for a victorious life at Rema Nigeria. Our impactful classes and curriculum has helped thousands of people like you. Professionals, business people, those in the academia as well as those in full-time ministry to maximize their vocation and calling. Due to the current restrictions of COVID-19, if you start your training with us online now, you can complete your entire program with us online if you so desire, even after we return to on-site classes. This offer closes 30th of September, so hurry up! Enroll with RBTC today! To enroll, visit www.RamanNigeria.com forward slash apply online forward slash. Don't miss this opportunity to start and finish online or leave you register before September 30th. Call us today on 81 Six, six, eight, three, six. The number again, 08101166836. Kenneth Higgins Remo Bible Training Center, Nigeria is here just for you.